Welcome back as Pastor Tim continues his message entitled, The Demands of Discipleship, from Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 35. I've always felt like the hymn, I Surrender All, is the hardest song to sing in the whole hymn book. It's not hard because the melody is difficult, though. It's hard because the message is difficult. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to Him, I freely give. All. That's what Jesus demands. All. These are His demands of discipleship. So not only do I need to conceive the task, from His vantage point, I need Him to lay that burden on my heart. I just make it up myself. I need to conceive the task that he's given. And then I need to complete the task that he's given. Keep on. Keep on. I know that there are days when you don't want to pray. Pray. I know that there are days when you don't want to read your Bible. Read your Bible. I know that there are days when you don't want to walk with the Lord. Walk with Him. I know there are days when you don't want to obey. Obey. If you would, as we saw this morning from James, if you would draw near to Him, He will draw near to you. And as you begin to See and acknowledge the work that God is doing in your life that you're not the same today as you used to be. You may not be where you want to be, but you're better off than you were, right? Then maybe you get to say with the Apostle Paul, being confident, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. What He has started in you, He will finish. You're His disciple. You're His follower. You're the one who's walking in the calling that He's given to you. Then you too must finish. Complete the course. Finish the task. Don't stop because you're tired. Don't stop because there's opposition. Don't stop because you don't see any results. You keep walking after the Lord and you allow Him to do through you what He wants to do. You may never see the utter results on this side of heaven. But He can already see them. And he already knows what he's doing in your life. So you build that tower. You build it as high as he wants you to build it. You build it as strong as he would have it strong. And you let your life be a lighthouse to everybody, everywhere. Be a worshiper, be a worker. Be the disciple that Jesus has called you to be. There's a third. Discipleship also demands that you be a warrior. That you be a warrior. Following after Christ is a little bit like crucifixion. 
Following after Christ is a little bit like construction. Following after Christ is a little bit like conflict. There's always going to be conflict. Sometimes with yourself. Sometimes with your real enemy. Sad to say, sometimes you'll find conflict even within the family of God. You better buckle up. You better strap on the armor. Because the battle is about to get hot. Criticism will come towards you from every angle. But whose are you? Obstacles will be found at every junction. But whose are you? Excuses will formulate in your mind every single day. But whose are you? Look at what he says beginning in verse number 31. He says, or... In other words, this is another illustration, another one that's much like what he just said. Kind of like the illustration of building a tower. This time it's not the field owner, this time it's the king. And he says this, or what king going to war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Conflicts and obstacles are going to come. And you're going to have to fight your way through them. Are you fit for the task? Are you ready for the task? The Bible says about Joshua that he was fit for the battle of Jericho. That means that God completely outfitted him. When David tried to wear the armor of Saul, it didn't fit. But a slingshot and a rock was precisely what fit. The armor of God will fit you. The weapons of our warfare that are not carnal, but are strong and mighty in the Lord for the taking down of those strongholds, they'll fit your hand. God will fit them for you. You know, I had played golf for years and never was very good. A few years ago, I went and finally got some new clubs. What I've discovered is I'm not really a whole lot better. Apparently, it wasn't the clubs. But you know what did make a difference? This time, I went to somebody who knew what they were doing, and I let them fit those clubs to me. They fit my height. They fit my stance. They fit my swing. God will take the armor of God and the weapon that He gives to you and fit them 
uniquely and completely to you. You are fit for the battle that's coming your way. But there are two things that you're going to have to do. And they're both negative. Number one, don't be cowardly. Don't be cowardly. Don't not share the gospel because you're afraid. Don't not stop and help somebody because you're afraid. Don't not speak to somebody because you're afraid. Don't say no to this world just because you're afraid. The strength that you have for this battle is not your own. It's not. I mentioned to Bill Hardwick's family at the funeral the other day, when there is a tragedy, suddenly the hashtags begin to come out of everywhere, don't they? I think one of the first ones I remember was in Boston at the bombing of the marathon. Suddenly, everywhere you looked, it was hashtag Boston Strong, right? When the tornado hit Beauregard, Alabama, suddenly everything was Beauregard Strong. If you see someone who's battling cancer, battling some other disease, sometimes they'll take their family name and say that they are Jones Strong. I don't want to be Jones Strong. Because Jones Strong ain't strong enough. It's not. Not for the battle that he has in store for me. Not in the battle that he has in store for you. If you're going to rely on your own strength and your own power, let me just go ahead and give you the worst news I got for you today. You're going to lose. It is his strength, it is his power. It is His presence that makes all the difference and that gives you victory in the end. So if you are marching in the power and the strength of God Almighty, do not be cowardly. Remember Gideon? Gideon with that massive army. And God says, that's that's too many. Take them down to the river. And watch how they drink water. The ones who drink like a timid, cowardly deer, send them home. They're not ready. The ones who drink in the strength of those that are around them, take them. Those 300 are fit for the battle. In this particular instance, Jesus says one king's got 10,000 soldiers, the other's got 20,000 soldiers. So what's he supposed to do? You're outnumbered. He says, won't he first send a delegation? That leads me at this point to number two. Don't be cowardly and don't compromise. 
Don't compromise. If we're talking about your real enemy, we're not talking about the person next to you. We're not even talking about the person on the other side of the church that you don't want to sit next to. We're not talking about the person that you avoid in the grocery store. I'm talking about your real enemy. You can't negotiate with him. Oh, you can send a delegation if you want to. But know this. He never, ever, ever has your best in mind. He never, ever, ever will give you an inch that you might gain some ground. He's going to take everything you've got. You've got to go to battle. To not be cowardly and to not compromise. To not be afraid of crucifixion. To not be afraid of hard construction. To not be afraid of hard conflict. And fourthly, not to be afraid of the Great Commission. The demands of a disciple include being a witness. Discipleship demands that you be a worshiper. Discipleship demands that you be a worker. Discipleship demands that you be a warrior. Discipleship demands that you be a witness. You live, you breathe, you act, you serve under the banner of the great commission of Jesus. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the great commission. Jesus had told these disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. He says, you are to be my witnesses. That's how we're to do that. So how is a good witness, how is he like salt? That's what he mentions in these verses. He says, salt is good. But if this salt lost its flavor... How shall it be seasoned, or how shall it be seasoned again? How shall it regain it? For it is fit neither for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Salt can be good, can it? What does salt do? Salt safeguards. It safeguards, doesn't it? It preserves it's a preservative. Long, long before we ever had refrigerators, <laughs> we had salt, right? Salt preserves. It safeguards. Number two, salt seasons. It flavors. Is there any zest in your Christian life? Is there any flavor in your Christian life? Is it as bland as if the salt has lost its saltiness? Salt safeguards, salt seasons, salt strengthens. It strengthens, it promotes healing. You get a cut, you go down there to the beach. I mean, what better way to recover from a cut? Go to the beach. Go to the beach, you get in the ocean. 
That salt water will do wonders for that cut, won't it? It helps promote healing. It strengthens. But along that same line, salt stings. It stings. That first time you step in the ocean, you know you find a cut. That's what we call hand sanitizer, right? It's a, it's a paper cut finder. <laughs> you know, it doesn't take long before that thing hits you and it burns. It stings. It hurts. It's exactly what it's designed to do. As long as it's salty, it will. And then finally, salt saturates. It penetrates everything. Take a glass of water. Just put a little pinch of salt in it. The whole thing's salty. Penetrates everything. You are the salt of the earth. You are to safeguard and preserve truth. You are to season life for others. You are to provide strength to those who are weak. Your words may sting. And if you stay true to the gospel, then they certainly will. But know this. That same gospel that stings, that brings healing and strength, will saturate. It will saturate. Wouldn't it be amazing if this church... Like a glass of water. That God the Father scooped up just a little bit of salt and put it in the water, and the whole thing becomes salty. Wouldn't it be amazing if God stirred our fellowship in such a way? That it penetrated and permeated every single member of our church. And it's not staying here, is it? It's not staying here, it's going out there. But there are going to be some who are not going to heed the three times that Jesus says this person cannot be my disciple. There are going to be some who still think that they can do this in their own strength. They still think that because they are not as bad as the world, that they're doing okay. Avery Willis was probably best known for writing the discipleship program Master Life. You remember that one? Wrote Master Life. He had a lot to do in Southern Baptist life and also was a part of our International Mission Board. Avery Willis said, The issue is not that the world is getting worse. I mean, we can look at it, can't we? A five-year-old shot at the gas station? Come on. Every day... It feels like we're living in Atlanta or living in Chicago. The violence in this place is utterly disturbing. The, 
the waywardness from the standards of God have gotten so far removed that our, that our own Georgia Senate and the other states have to, have to talk about whether or not somebody, an adult, can talk to a kindergartner about their gender fluidity. Something is wrong in this world. But Avery Willis is right. The issue is not that the world is getting worse. He said the issue is that God's people are not being salt and light in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Instead, we just looked like them. Or we look just like them. Draw near to God. And He will draw near to you. Anybody else is not fit for discipleship. I ask you to bow your head and close your eyes with me. Are you fit? Have you repented of your sins? In faith, trusted in Jesus Christ, His death on the cross for you. That you might have eternal life. Do you know that you know that you belong to Jesus? That's the first step, isn't it? If not, you need to leave your place and come down here and say, Tim, I need to know Jesus. Let me talk to those of you who know that you know. You know. I mean, you know. That you belong to the Lord. Have you lost your saltiness over the years? Have you lost your fervor? Have you lost your strength? He will restore it. He will give it to you fresh and anew. If you'll just let him, if you would just receive what he offers, if I can help you with that, I want to. I do. Truth is, you don't need me, you need Jesus, right? So I want to invite you to leave where you are. You can come talk to me if you want to. I'll be glad to pray with you about anything. But maybe you just need to get in the altar. Maybe by yourself, maybe with a friend. Finish this service the way that you started it. Better yet, finish it better than you started it. Then you were preparing for this moment right now. Jesus May your spirit have his way. We draw near to you. We're asking simply that you keep your word and that you draw near to us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Stand with me where you are. I want Sean to lead us as we sing. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 
West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.